0: Riverside Community, which is uh, the North Daughter Church of Alamo Heights. Uh, And so it is an incredible privilege for me to be here with you uh, and have David um, where I usually stand. I bet he's shod, though, Um, but that's a whole different story. Um, He's actually preaching on David. I asked him if he would look through. We're doing the uh, thing called the story, which has been really great. Uh, uh, The whole Bible in a narrative form across a year. And um, he's Uh, preaching about David for me Uh, and I know that his heart just erupts on David so I can't wait uh, to hear all about that and he said well guess what we're talking about I said what he said the desert and I went yes because I love the desert and so uh, it was kind of a nice win-win match for us I'm not wearing my shoes because as Moses went out into the desert Uh, He met with the burning bush. And at that burning bush, he realized that he was seeing God, the creator of all things. Uh, And as that conversation began, you know what God said to him first thing, Moses, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. It was convicting to me a few years back. Uh, And so what I really believe very deeply is as a pastor, when I move into that place where I'm teaching about the word of God, I believe that I need to remind myself that this is holy ground, that it does not belong to me, but it belongs to the Lord himself. Second thing, I, the reason I do that is to say in kind of a prayer, in a, in a practical way, God, would you make this holy ground? Would this morning this be your place? And that as we come together to worship you, would you speak to us? And So that's my prayer for us today. Let's prepare our hearts by saying the Shema, if you would please rise. If you're a visitor this morning, the Shema comes from Deuteronomy 6. It is something Jesus would have said at least twice a day. And so we've appropriated it as a part of our hearts and a part of our lives to say, we want to be like Him. He would have done it as a declaration in preparation for many things, not only His day, but often to hear or recite the Word of God. And so would you join me in the Shema this morning? Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Adonai Chad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your... and your neighbor as yourself. Listen to these. These are the words of God. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners Or sit in the seat of mockers. But blessed is the man who walks in the way of the Lord. He meditates on the law day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of waters. Which yields its fruit in season. His leaf never withers. All he does prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like the chaff that blow away in the wind. Therefore they will not stand in the judgment, nor in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord looks over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. These are the very words of God. Please be seated. We'd been in the desert for a long time. In fact, we'd gotten so uh, deserted that I swear my brain was scarred with heat. I'm not sure if that's possible, but it actually happened. Um, And we had done all kinds of things, and when you travel in the way that we were traveling on a study tour in a, in a rabbinical way, um, you don't ever know where you're going, you don't know what's next, and you don't dare ask, or then you won't find out anything. So you sort of have to linger on the bus, wonder what's going to happen, and we were traveling along. All of a sudden, it became much more urban, then we came over a hill, and out laying in front of us at the base of the highway was Jerusalem. I'd never been there before. I'd preached about it. I knew all the things that happened in it. I'd hoped and wondered that someday, you know, someday. And that someday was that day. I remember, I I don't know, I turned into about a 12-year-old boy and began to rattle everything I could remember about Jerusalem. (laughs) Just like this. Everybody just wanted me to be quiet. But I was excited. I mean, and if you know me, you know that it's hard for me to be quiet when I'm excited. And so I was excited. And, and then I didn't know where we were going in Jerusalem. I figured we will probably going to our hotel. I kept saying this. We're probably going to the hotel, but we may go to a stop. I don't know where we're going to go stop, and I don't know what stop we go to. It would be really cool if we went to a stop, and I'm not sure if we will, because we we'll probably go to the hotel because we've been out all day. And so they're like, wow, would you? It would be great if you went into a meditative, prayerful mode now, you know? And so we get there. We drive around. We curl around the backside, and all of a sudden... I see the wall of the old city, and I think of Nehemiah, I think of all the different places I've read about the wall, you know, we come around with all the other tour buses fighting for a parking place, and we get out, I don't really know where we are, all I know is that we're at the old city in Jerusalem, and we walk in, and there are people from everywhere, we've been in the desert for, I don't know how long at that point, but um, we hadn't been around people except the folks that were traveling with us. And we'd gotten very close. And so now, all of a sudden, there were a bunch of other people. And they were from all over the world. And some of them were, you know, American. Some of them were British. Some of them were African. I mean, it was just wild, all the different folks that were there. Fascinating just to hear the languages. And my eyes are this big, you know, just massive. And, and we walk up, and all of a sudden, we're in sort of a security line. And by now i'm still just blah 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 you know just talking 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 we get into the security line and you know as we got really used to doing and uh, all this kind of stuff and then we finally get in there wherever there is and we come around the corner and i'm still just a mile a minute and as we come around the corner the western wall all of a sudden i am face to face with the exposed base of the ancient temple of God. And I got very, very quiet. We walked up and we stood along a fence and at the fence there was a division. And the division was of where the men were studying and where the women were studying. And as we stood there, we watched a rabbi, probably 30, 35 years old, I'm not sure. And he had about mm, 12 disciples that were, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, 15 and kind of different ages all around him. I remember they had their their little yarmulkes are all different colors. And it was sort of different than I'd ever seen. And they began... that The the rabbi was red-headed and he was as impassioned as Fran. And he began to beat on the table upon which the book that they were studying was on. I don't know what they were studying. Isaiah, something cool like that. And they were beating on the He starts singing this song. La, 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 la. Li, just like this. And those boys are like, oh gosh, here comes the rabbi again. I can't believe he's going to sing and make us go around in circles, you know. You can see that whole like teenage angst we have to sing in public thing come on them uh, and then after a while it begins to lighten up and they sort of they're having a good time and then it kind of bleeds out contagious into the folks that are around them and then all of a sudden it was amazing all of a sudden we were standing way up and we could see hundreds of men and the disciples that followed them dancing and singing this song as if it had been orchestrated and it was just deeply deeply moving And the fence that divided here, uh, divided and the ladies were over here and I hadn't even paid attention. And then I looked over and I realized that although they had been clustered against the wall and then back in chairs and praying and reading and doing things like that, they had backed away from the wall, taken all the chairs, put themselves in a great big circle and they had begun to do this dance that was spinning and woven and beautiful. I mean, it was so beautiful to watch. And they were dancing to the song of the men. And it was all this picture of God's joy. Amazing. So Vanderland, who's leading our trip, uh, he just goes, I'm going to the wall, which is what he does. He just, off he goes. And so he goes, and I think, can I go? Do I go? And I'm like, absolutely, I'm going. They're going to have to stop me to keep me from getting up against this thing. And it turns out you can go. I was all, mm, and for nothing. But uh, I get all in there, and then, you know, do you wear a hat? Do you not wear a hat? You get, and so I get right up against this thing, and there's no room to touch or get near the wall at this time. There's people that are all lined up, praying. And so I go along, as you do, like at the bank or at the grocery store, looking for a line that's a little shorter. And so I finally find the one. And the one that I find has got a father who's, I don't know, he's probably about 35 as well. But he has a little boy. And he's kneeling down just like this up against the wall. And his little boy is sitting right here on his um, thigh. And they're talking, you know, away. And he's got a prayer shawl on. And he takes this prayer shawl and he lifts it up just like this. And he reaches over his son and he puts his hands on the wall just like this and he begins to pray and whisper into his son's ear I can barely hear him but it's the only thing I want to hear and I don't even understand a word I was so moved I began to ask God this feels holy and I Why am I here? And he taught me this. He said, That's you and me. You see, what I want to do is I want to pull you onto my lap. I want to put my wings up over you. And I want to place my hands of protection out. And I want to sing and pray over you and whisper in your ear and tell you of the deep and beautiful things that are who you are in this world Now, if you've never had that it is mind-blowing but it's available to everybody you don't have to go to a foreign place and so the the man and his boy leave and i'm just crying you know and i never cry thank you um some of you know me um And so I'm I'm bawling, you know, I'm just a mess, I'm a puddle, and since I've been in the desert, I don't have tears, so it's real weird. But they they finally leave, Uh, and as they leave, um, I think, okay, now I have to move into this step. So I move into this place, and I remember placing my hands on the wall, and the wall was cool. Never forget that. The wall was cool, and the stones were ancient, and there are little prayers that people have placed in it all over the place, and I I was so overwhelmed by the presence of God and the holiness of the moment that I thought, what the heck do I pray? I mean, what do I say here after God has spoken so lovingly to me and given me such an incredible picture and now I'm supposed to respond? What do I say? And i got to tell you, for, I'm relatively chatty. (laughs) I had absolutely nothing. You know, could you pray for your wife and children? Nope, that didn't come to my mind. How about the community that sent you there? Nope, not one of them. I mean, all these things that make total sense and later and I got to do it another time and all that, but you know what? It was all gone except one thing. One thing came to me there in that wall. The thing that came to me when I had nothing to say in the most holy of moments was the words of God. Scripture. Like out of nowhere, like a lightning bolt. And I just began to say it. Everything I could remember. Every little fragment of everything. Every little broken, unperfectly memorized idea, picture, story. Every Sunday school lesson I had ever you teach Sunday school. I, every Sunday school lesson I ever had. Everything all just pulled in. It was like yanking up. Every, the only thing that felt worthy in that moment were God's own words. And they taught me deeply in that hot and dry place with my hands on that cool wall. I was so thankful to have them. I was so thankful to have them when nothing else made sense. You ever been there? I mean, maybe it wasn't a great place. Maybe it was. Maybe it's on the birth of your child or some holy sort of powerful experience in your life where you think, my gosh, I've got nothing to say that doesn't sound small. Or I'm in the desert and I'm so broken because my spouse has left me and my kids feel like they've taken their side and I'm sitting alone in this stupid house again for the fourth week in a row and i haven't gotten a phone call because people know how much pain i'm in and they're afraid to even get close to me and as i sit in the dark alone place in my own house that i'm not sure i'm going to pay for because everything seems to be falling apart i've got absolutely nothing to say you've lost somebody in your life and they're gone and the world keeps going and you want to stand up in a restaurant at a grocery store and scream, don't you all know they're gone? How can you be buying fruit? Because things seem so small. Over and over and over, I have to be honest, I've learned deeply inside of me, and I want to encourage you to consider that in those moments, you want to have the words of God. Psalm 1 is an incredible picture. It really is two pieces. It says, look, there, is one, there are two paths here. One is full of the word of God, the, the law that he meditates on day and night. That's the picture. And then the other is like chaff. It's just sort of a meaningless, empty, vacuous, dead, easy to blow away life. It's the stuff that nobody wants. And so the picture really to surviving the desert is which path you take. One, the desert eats you alive because there's no living water. The other provides you water that comes not from something you find, but something that comes from deep inside of you. Now, that is the water that you want. You want the water that Jesus offers even in Himself, who is the walking Word of God all around the world. Come and let me be inside of you, so that when the desert is breaking you, when you have nothing, when you are alone and it is dark, let me well up inside you. When you have nothing to say and it feels like your heart is locked, let my words unlock you. I love I'm going to teach you just a little bit of Hebrew because I just can't help myself. Say the word haga. Okay. Now say it like this. Haga. Awesome. You all did it. I didn't know if you would. That's really good. Okay. I'll brag on you later. But um you know, and some of you even move your head like this. Haga, which is exactly right now. Uh, some of you may know this word, but haga is Um, is this word that means like a like a lion. When a lion comes to its prey and it's time to eat, the lion is going to haga the animal. Okay? And I know that you're like, gosh, that sounds hideous, but oh well, that's what lions do. Uh and that's the image, that's the picture, is the hagah, like pulling at every piece, every sinew, every muscle, everything, and you're not gonna get near the lion and the lion's not gonna stop till the lion's done, and the lion's gonna do his thing. Do you know that when we translate Psalm 1, that haga, we translate to meditate? I'm <laughs> talking about cleaning up something. Uh, and he haga's, no, that's not pretty. Let's go with meditate. I mean, with, I don't know about you, but meditate is like this. Let's meditate. We will now be quiet. Nothing wrong with meditation, by the way, at all. But that's not the best. What we're talking about here is when you get into the Word of God, you hugah, you meditate, you pull at every little piece. You're wondering about it because these are the truths of God. This is the foundational stuff that in a nuclear holocaust, it's not roaches, it's the Word of God that's standing there. Wow, that's amazing, it's still here. It never changes. It doesn't matter what happens in our lives or in the life of the world, the Word of God stays the same. So if these things are true, then how can we look at it in a way that applies itself to our lives? I see two ways. There's probably lots more, but I'm a simple guy. Big crayons and a big chief tablet. First is this. I think that the Bible is a guidebook for life. It's a simple. It's a guidebook for life. You got a question? It's going to have an answer. Many of them you won't like. Some of them you really will. But if you begin to study it, you can look at a piece that we all might know, like the Ten Commandments, and you can begin to see this is how we are to behave, what is supposed to happen, things like that. It's just the way that it kind of is laid out, this guidebook. It makes it pretty easy sometimes because people have questions. I have questions. And some of the questions are hard. A A lot of times, especially when you're hanging out with kids, they have questions you can't answer. But sometimes people come with a question that you can answer. You can nail it. You can knock it out of the park. Okay, And one of them that that, uh, comes all the time It's really awkward in the moment But it happens so regularly It's interesting to see how it all goes Someone will come uh, And they will want to have some time uh, with me And I always am honored by that And they're having trouble with something And okay, well let's have some coffee And we sit down uh, And they're talking for a while And we're catching up a little bit And kind of, whatever And uh, then this question comes out Or this idea And they say something like this Well, and I've seen it both ways So it's not really one way or the other They'll say, well, you know I want to ask you a question. Okay. Well, you know I'm married, right? Yeah. Well, I think that God has given me someone else to love. And I want to leave my wife. I want to leave my husband. Because of the gift God has given me in the love for this other person. And it's a totally inappropriate response that I have. Because I want to go, yes! awesome i mean not to the thing but to this moment i have an answer and it is extremely clear because of the guidebook there's no wavering on this one it says it over and over and over it's really clear it says no that's adultery it's in the top 10 you go into jesus and jesus says not only is it something that you do but you can commit adultery in your heart this is a time of repentance. And I assume that since we're sitting on the other side of a table, that that's where your heart really is. It even says, remember the wife of your youth. This is a no-brainer. The guidebook is clear. There needs to be no conversation. God doesn't give you a love to break up your marriage. It doesn't happen. And I have zero concern about saying that reality. And I've been a pastor long enough to see a lot of stuff. So I love the guidebook, especially when it's super clear. But it's not only a guidebook, because sometimes a guidebook can get so judgmental, feeling at least. Reality is, of course, we think the Bible's judgmental when the reality is we're convicted about what it says. (laughs) Isn't that great? When it agrees with our life, we're like, oh, it's a beautiful book. When it disagrees with us, oh it's judgmental. It's probably convicting our hearts, isn't it? Guidebooks tend to do that. But it has this other life. And this other life is just rich and beautiful. And this is the other life. And I think it's where that streams of living water and the fruit that it yields in its season and his life prospers and is lit and the leaves on the trees never wither. And this is in the desert. That's a picture of this tree. We think it's a cypress. It's not. Because it's not only a guidebook for life. It's a love letter. And I mean a love letter. Like, for instance, the example could be the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are one of the richest and most beautiful love letters that there has ever been. Imagine a more rich thing that God would come to a slave people who only knew murder. To protect, who only knew steel to live, who only knew all the pieces, who only knew multiple gods, who only knew how to give their hearts and lives away, who only knew how to generationally train their children to be a slave. Hey, buddy, it's going to be great. When you get a little bit older, you'll be able to not look anybody in the eye and take a decent beating if you have a bad day. That's our life. God comes in and He says, no! Listen to me. You think you're slaves, but I love you. I am the God who brought you out of slavery. Have no other gods before me. Be careful with my name, because when you use it, others will associate what you do with who I am. Keep the Sabbath. Make it holy. I know you've worked all your life and all you know is the enslavement of another day. This day, take off and rest. Let me spend the day with you. Show you what it means to be well loved. Honor your mom and your dad. You see, because, well, this is a generational assignment. And they don't understand as much as you will as we go through the desert. But what we need to do is teach our children what it means to love us by loving them. See, that's how this is going to flow now, because you have an inheritance. Don't murder, because you don't have to. Not anymore. Because I'm going to fight for you. And when I say go to battle, we're going to take some people down. No longer are you the weak and broken. You are fierce and you are good. And you don't need to murder each other. There's plenty to go around. Look, don't commit adultery. Because adultery will break your family. It's like throwing a grenade into the living room and asking your kids to jump on it. And we can't have that because we're to be a people that changes the world. And again, don't steal. There's plenty. Trust me. And you know, coveting is a waste of time at this point because why would you covet the gift of your brother or sister? I mean, I know it's kind of a weird natural feeling, but the reality of it all is if it's theirs, it's yours. We are a body. And above all this, know this. I love you. And I will be with you always. And if you do these things, the Trinity and I see we know, because we treat each other this way, that you will be whole and peaceful and good and you'll have the same kind of dancing we do. It's a love letter. You know... My imagination is either you're in the desert today, you've just been or you're going. It's just a part of our lives. Not a pleasant one, ever. The reality is God is always in the desert and His words will root us in such a way that we will hear the guidance and the love that will give us the path to lead us home. Pray with me. Father, help us to meditate with intensity upon Your Word so that when those moments when it seems that all of the air is lifted from our lungs, what is left Is you. Give us courage so that at the end of our lives, when literally the very air is lifted from our lungs, may the inheritance of our lives be you. Let it be guidance and love that we are known by. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and say, Amen.